Welcome to Gym Wag, a podcast series hosted by me, Lisa Eaton. Over at G&T, I'll be interviewing some of the region's most respected business leaders, CEOs and CMOs to hear all about their journey and their experiences. So take a seat, pour a drink and join us for an inspiring half hour of like-minded chat. A huge welcome back to Ginwag. This is our first episode of Series 2 after a short break over the summer. And as always, we will be speaking to some of the most amazing guests, CMOs, business leaders and CEOs on their journey so far. And today we start with the lovely Laura Kingston, who is the founder and managing editor of High Life North, a digital magazine which celebrates women in our region. After leaving university, having studied for a master's in politics, Laura discovered that politics just wasn't for her and saw an opportunity for an entry level role in marketing. Moving into her first role, Laura quickly moved through the ranks where she held the position of head of marketing and communications at Stories Homes. After some years in marketing, Laura discovered a gap in the market for an exclusively digital women's magazine in the Northeast, and so gave up her marketing role and put everything into creating her first venture, High Life North. Starting from scratch at her kitchen table back in August 2019, Laura has grown the readership of over 40,000 Northeast women and built a community of like-minded women and businesses in the region. With over 10 years of experience in marketing and PR, Laura has a very clear idea of High Life North's brand values from the outset, which has been fundamental to her success and has ensured the business has stayed true to them throughout their growth journey. Laura's ethos is about celebrating women in the region. We all have different circumstances, different challenges and different solutions. High Life North is about showcasing inspiring females, providing advice on careers, fashion, beauty, interiors, health and well-being, as well as the top recommendations on where to eat, drink, take the kids and explore in the North East. And Laura has no plans to slow down and stop there. With ambitions now set in growing the magazine and its readership throughout the north of England, covering Leeds, Manchester and Edinburgh, we'll likely be hearing a lot more from Laura in the future. And we're excited to see the expansion of High Life North come to life. Despite COVID hitting most businesses hard last year, Laura's businesses thrived in the past 18 months with their readership stats skyrocketing since the first lockdown was announced. Laura is also a finalist in this year's Great British Entrepreneur Awards for Entrepreneur of the Year in Creative Industries. I can't wait to hear her story. Enjoy. So, Laura, a huge welcome to Ginwag. Thank you so much for being on our very first episode of the new season. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, I love Ginwag. I've listened to quite a few of them now and it feels great to be on. I do feel a little bit of pressure mind being the first guest of the new season, but yeah, I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> Don't worry, no pressure at all. It will be fantastic. Um, so obviously we've had a, a little intro from me about um, your journey, but if you would just start, Laura, by telling us a little bit about, I guess, your journey in your own words and how you got to be editor of High Life North, where you are now. So I started at my kitchen table in November 2019. I'd left my job. I'd been working as um, head of marketing and comms for a volume house builder. 
And basically, I really loved um, publishing and publications, especially female focused ones. And I was reading a lot of digital magazines that were very London centric. So I would be really enjoying kind of all the fashion and lifestyle content. But then all of the things to do, it would be like best places to go for lunch at the weekend, best rooftop bars and they're all in London. And I just knew that I would love to know what was happening in Newcastle, that there was a lot going on in Newcastle. And there wasn't really a platform that was specifically for women um, that was really highlighting that. So I just felt like there was really a gap in the market. Uh, so pretty naively really thought, well, I'll set up my own website. And the plan initially was to do a daily email, which was ridiculous really thinking back but that was the plan um and I kind of set about creating the idea of High Life North um came up with the concept that uh really wanted it to cover every aspect of a woman's life so as well as all of the things to do which is now in the play hard section I wanted it to be quite business and career focused I wanted it to provide a platform for women in the region who were doing great things and didn't really have anywhere to profile that um, and also cover a lot of the fashion and beauty trends that I had seen in London that weren't necessarily featured in the regional press yet um, and also the feel good section really covered mental health so I came up with this concept of look good feel good work hard play hard which I felt really encompassed everything that a woman might be going through um so started off with a freelance model I was doing a lot of the writing myself but I was really really strict from the start that I didn't want it to be a blog so I wanted other contributors and other voices in there um so yeah I worked with a lot of different freelancers we were putting the content out it was just a Friday issue at first because I very quickly realized how much time and effort it takes to pull just one issue together um and we did that between November and March and then obviously Covid hit in March and our readers just went through the roof to be honest because everybody stayed at home everybody went online and we were able to really quickly create lots of content um, which was very topical at the time, banana bread recipes, at-home workouts, um, books to read, how to cope with lockdown, what to do with your kids. And um, yeah, it just got a lot of organic traffic and it, yeah, just so our readers soared basically. Um, then we obviously went through the kind of COVID period, continuing to engage with our audience online which worked really well and that really started to build up and gain traction on Instagram and our social media channels and then in the September of that year which would be 2020 um, we brought Rosie our head of sales on board and she really helped commercialize the whole thing because the strategy had always been we can't sell anything until we've got an engaged audience to sell I was never going to be able to charge anyone to advertise to reach 100 people so it was only when we started to get that strong readership and at the time that we brought Rosie on board it was about 25 to 30,000 I think um, of engaged readers that we were really able to start commercializing it when she came on board and it did commercialize it then we could afford to spend more on digital advertising which again brought more readers into our um, ecosystem if you like and it just grew and grew from there and we brought another ad exec on we then were creating a lot more content we went up to two issues a week we brought a sub editor on and now we have another staff writer so it's just been a continual growth period over that 12 months um to create what we are now which I'm incredibly proud of um 
and I just can't wait to see how it grows and develops more. That That is definitely a whistle-stop tour. I'm sure there was loads of ups and downs in there, but obviously an amazing journey. Um, just taking you back a little bit then, what first attracted to you to a career in marketing? To be honest, I didn't really um, think about going into marketing. My undergrad degree was in English and history. I spent a bit of time in America for a year abroad. I came back, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, and ended up doing a master's in critical geopolitics at Newcastle University, which again was enjoyable, but what job was I going to come out of that with? I'd considered maybe roles in the civil service, but it didn't appeal to me. And I was literally walking past a jobs board at the university and saw a role for an entry-level marketing assistant and thought, that sounds quite fun. Marketing sounds quite glamorous, doesn't it? So I'll apply went through the interview process, got the job, and I absolutely loved it. And the rest is is history, I suppose. From there, I went into um, public relations. So I went to a B2B agency and did a lot of work um, with clients like Tesco, Procter & Gamble, um, some property management companies, which was really, really interesting. Learned absolutely loads. Then I went to business to consumer for a while then I went in-house for a law firm and then ended up going in-house um, at my last role at a house builder and then worked my way up through there so I mean what I love about marketing is um, the levels of influence I suppose I'm very interested in finding out what people want and then positioning a brand or a product to help them give what they want and make that match um, I'm really interested in the whole psychology behind it because really when you start looking at your whole day-to-day activity marketing really filters through all of that um, and I just I'm quite interested in the ethics behind it as well and how you can do that in a way that is very useful to people to improve their lives and not in a kind of shady way to um, influence them in the wrong way I suppose so yeah I just find it fascinating and I just think with digital things are changing all of the time and it's such a fun and exciting industry to be in yeah completely and I think that's you know where the love of marketing comes and it's funny because I was having this debate yesterday actually with somebody that lots of the best business leaders have come from a marketing background um, and you can totally take that as kudos because I think you know in terms of running your own magazine now and doing the you know the amazing things that you're doing at High Life North we were talking about how a career in marketing in the early years really sets you up to be a, a brilliant business leader and a brilliant chief executive um, because of all those skills and everything that you're exposed to, all the different types of businesses and the different type of markets, the different types of personas. Um, so I don't know if you would agree with that, but it's definitely lots of the best business leaders I know of have been through a kind of a, a marketing early years background. Yeah, I agree. A lot of business leaders do have a background in marketing um, or at least have spent a lot of time with the marketing department to really understand that. Um, in marketing, obviously, you have to be so fleet of foot. So the market might change, um, a platform might change, um, cookies might change, 30, third party data might change. There is so much that means that you have to really be on the ball with it. And I think it's a good thing for business leaders because then you don't get stuck in the same 
track you're always expecting things to change and things do change so much in business and unless you are able to really pivot without panicking too much I think that can be an issue so yeah I'd agree it definitely gives you great leadership skills and great um firefighting skills I suppose which are always going to be helpful when you're running a business as I have definitely found in the past two years yeah absolutely couldn't agree more um so lots of people have the ambition to move from being um an employee or or a you know in a role within a business to an employer or having their own business um how did you decide to make the move into entrepreneurship so yeah, it was it was quite a naive move, if I'm honest, moving from employee to employer. I suppose I didn't expect to be an employer at the time when I was leaving. I thought I'd be a bit of a one-man band with this freelance model that I was operating at the time. So that element of it didn't feel as daunting. And I didn't really feel that daunted about leaving my job and setting something up, I suppose, because I've worked for lots of different places before. I was very confident that I would be able to go back and get another job if I didn't like it. I think for me, the bigger driver was what if I never try this and it could be fantastic and I could have a great career from it and I could make an impact with something. And I just I didn't want to have that regret of thinking, oh, I had this really good idea and I never acted on it. And what if, what if, what if? So to me, that was a bigger driver. Um, And then the actual journey I suppose to becoming an employer we now employ five people um it was very natural and it always felt right at the time so to be honest that hasn't been that scary um it's been quite an organic journey I suppose and it's it's interesting because when you set out in business I think you know it was very similar to me you know I didn't really have this grand plan of where I was going to go and what it was going to look like um but if 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 you kind of took the same path there's a point where you leave your current role and you leave that stability and that security of a salary and you're almost driven by fear and panic that you know you just have to put everything in it to make it work um otherwise you know you do go back to to another job again um was there a little bit of that for you or were you quite cool and comfortable with the decision to you know to go it alone for a little while so yeah i mean there is an element of fear and panic and i think um the fear and panic comes from making sure that it actually works so i was pretty cool about setting it up and doing it and actually at the beginning there aren't that many expectations on it people don't necessarily even expect it to work or to think oh yeah she's trying this it's when it starts to grow and then you really start to feel that pressure and obviously when you start employing people and you start to become passionate about it. it's your baby isn't it and you want it to work and you want it to grow and you want it to be successful so I think that's where you just put absolutely everything into it um, and make sure that that I suppose it's that refusal to fail yeah absolutely and I think you know there is almost this glamorous perception of having your own business no matter what it is you know setting out on your own growing a business taking on a team taking on premises you know all the things that are seen as a success in business but they're also the things that can cause such pressure and such stress and um and you know it really then puts you in a kind of whole different ball game to just being a freelancer out there on your own and I guess for me I always thought being you know your own boss would give you loads of freedom and loads of time and it would be very glamorous and you know I've never had less time (laughs) never had less money I honestly don't know how 
um people like you do it with kids because you obviously have to put everything it, it consumes my life every weekend every evening it absolutely consumes it and I have such respect for women who have children and I mean not even run a business just work and manage to switch their minds between all of these different compartments and um yeah I just I find it incredible yeah and it, well it's just it's a, it's almost another curveball that's thrown into the midst like anything else in business that you just suddenly quickly adapt to but um yeah it's definitely a juggle that's for sure um so I guess what did you learn in that first year of business I'm sure there were so many things but what advice would you give yourself if you were setting up again and what do you wish you might have known back then that you know now um I mean I definitely learned a lot of lessons quickly so things like um really like having new profit and loss spreadsheet and monitoring it every single day every single week making sure that you're really on top of all of your costs I did do that anyway in my last role we obviously had budget management but when it's your own money it does feel different and no as much as you can have that mentality in another, another business it's just never quite the same as when it is your own money and you're the one that's paying the invoices and you're the one that's chasing invoices and wanting money to come in so, I mean, I did do it from the very beginning, but I think it's the biggest gem and biggest piece of advice that I could ever have been given was to really monitor that quickly because feeling in control of your business means that you can act with a much cooler head instead of sticking your head in the sand and um, hoping that everything's okay. And then it gives you that level of anxiety. Yeah, that's such valuable advice, I think, as well, for people who are thinking about setting out, because, you know, that I think that does come with experience, doesn't it? It comes that you learn that not everybody loves what you're doing and not everybody, you know, is going to like your tone or like your site or like your product or like your style. But actually, as long as you know who you are targeting and you've got that right and you are engaging with people and adding value, then you don't need everybody to be on board with it. But in the early years, that can take, you know, it can, can take a bit of a hit on your confidence can't it and it can be difficult to it can it can feel like a bit of a knock but actually it's staying focused on you know the purpose that you have originally and how you're going to drive forward and um, I think lots of our kind of younger listeners who are aspirational or looking to set up their own businesses could really benefit from that advice of just you know knuckle down do what you do well don't worry too much what people think of it just keep going. The other thing is don't expect any silver bullet or overnight miracles it can be so glamorized these days can't it with podcasts and books and um success stories I suppose even of you know people like Sarah Davies is doing incredibly well and she um obviously has crafters companion as her business and now she's on Dragon's Den and she's on Strictly Come Dancing and her profile has raised massively but I remember first hearing about crafters companion it must have been eight years ago ish um, and it's taken her a really long time to build that up and um, raise her profile and get the opportunities that she's getting, which is great. It's, I think what I would tell myself then is just enjoy the journey and stop trying to even think about what the end point will be. Um, just relax and enjoy it and be in it for the long run instead of trying to be something that you think you should be. 
Yeah, completely. And I think definitely now with, you know, the the reach that social media has, people can almost be catapulted from nowhere to kind of this huge profile. But you're absolutely right. There is normally years and years and years of hard work and blood, sweat and tears kind of sitting behind that before you suddenly realise who they are and where they've come from. This podcast is brought to you by Fabric a training academy that empowers the most ambitious marketers to thrive. You're already a marketer or you want to get into marketing. You have ambition like no other and are driven to be the best at what you do. So how can you make sure you make a big impact wherever you go? Well, we're here to share over 20 years of experience in industry insights in just 12 weeks. By the end of our programme, you'll know how to build a marketing strategy that delivers big-time business impact. Show how valuable you are through effective reporting and to help your organisation smash targets and reach its goals. Get ready to be the change that propels organisations forward. Nail your next interview, review or board meeting and make yourself the marketer that every business wants. To find out more, visit fabric-academy.com. So you've talked about women throughout this, um, Laura, and obviously you're a huge advocate for women in business. Um, Where did that come from and how important do you think it is for the younger generation to see successful women as role models? Yeah, I am a big advocate of women in business, actually. Um, And that was it was so important to me to have the work hard section of uh, the website when we launched High Life North, because a lot of the London centric ones that I mentioned at the beginning, they were very lifestyle focused and it's very much around fashion, beauty, things to do. But for me, business is and always was such an important part of my life. And I was an employer then. So it's not, I'm sorry, an employee. So it's not necessarily that I wanted entrepreneurship advice, but I did want career advice. I wanted to know um, how to manage my team when I've just been promoted above them I wanted to know what kind of pension plans would give me a good return in the future there was a lot of things that I wanted to know that I wasn't getting from the media that I liked to consume and it wasn't written and talk like when I was looking for it it was very technical and I wanted something that just spoke to me and the way that um, a friend or a mentor would speak to me so it was really important for me that I created that And also I felt like there is an incredible amount of women in the region who are doing great things, whether that be um, through charities or through their own businesses or as um, business leaders or in management positions. And I just felt like the publications that we had that do really champion that didn't have enough space to focus on women specifically. Um, It was obviously very diverse but I just felt like there was really a platform that I wanted to create to showcase all of that and to give everyone an opportunity to be seen and I do think it's important for young women to see successful role models in business and that includes a manager that might work part-time and have the kids because they love working it might include someone that doesn't work for a couple of years and then comes back into business there are all different types of situations and I think I want to really try and normalize that through the magazine in that it's up to you what you want to do and I want to be able to empower women to feel like they can make those choices and that's absolutely fine and they've got lots of different role models that they can look to to help replicate that or take inspiration from 
Yeah, and I think I think for me, that's what sets High Life North apart, that you've really managed to get that balance of, you know, work life, career ambitions, aspirations, social life, the great things that you can do and enjoy and home life as well. Um, and there's such a really great spread of all that content throughout the magazine that it does almost seem to touch on that, you know, obviously this was very cleverly intentional, but, you know, it touches on all the dimensions of a woman's life and just makes you feel like no matter where you are in that journey, you know, you're there's something there for you which I think you've done phenomenally well at. So High Life North is obviously all about celebrating successful women. Who have been your mentors over the years or any um, women who have been hugely inspirational? Obviously you mentioned you you know your very first boss, anybody outside of that? So yeah my my most um, influential woman in my business career has definitely been one of my first bosses Mary Dryden. She um, owned a PR agency that I worked for called Mary Dryden Associates and she was incredible. She'd worked for the BBC and she had amazing experience and her standards were so high. She was meticulous and I really learned a lot from her. It was my second job it was my first PR job and she just really instilled those super high standards of perfection, I suppose. And I know that perfection is a bit of a dirty word these days because people always say that it's unattainable and, you know, it is, you've got to allow for human error. But I think if you're striving for a level of perfection with a product that you're creating or service that you're providing, that's where it needs to be in order to be really successful, to give a really good customer experience, to give a really good user experience. And that's really what I'm trying to instill in my team all of the time is to to strive for that incredibly high quality, which will pay off and create a better product for everyone and make them better at their jobs um it was something that Mary you know it was a hard it's hard lesson to learn obviously when you've got someone who is constantly pointing out every single tiny thing that you might do wrong but the the level that she's managed to teach me to work at I just I couldn't thank her more for that and I'm just so pleased that I worked for it at that stage in my career yeah and that's really interesting isn't it because um i think out through my career i've found exactly the same like the more you put into people definitely the more you get out of them um and it builds a team who are way more than just a set of employees you know it builds a team who are absolutely you know committed to the cause driven in the same way you are um they almost become you know part of the family if you i always think of the businesses as like you know my children my other children it's almost like part of family um and you only get that if you put that commitment of time into those people you know you don't get it for just offering them a job and expecting them to get on with it um so yeah i love that i think that's a really and it sets the you know it sets the tone doesn't it It sets the culture for what you're building at high life north and you know what you know what you're there to offer people outside of just a job and a salary is that progression and that development and that mentorship i guess so I'm dying to know this, Laura. Running a magazine um, always sounds so very glamorous and um, I'm sure it probably is in lots of respects. But what is it really like to run, um, you know, a women's digital magazine? Is it as glamorous as it sounds? I mean, in a way, yes, it is. I mean, we were at an event last week that was um 
with Hancock Gallery and Reed and Sons and it was fine art and champagne and diamonds. That was obviously very glamorous. We do a lot of fashion. We have um, fashion shoots in the region. We get invited to events all of the time. And that element of it is absolutely fantastic. And it's fun and it's great to meet other people in the region. I'd say it's just very work hard, play hard. So the other side of that obviously is that we are in the office every day working incredibly hard pulling the content together making sure that it's got those really high standards and there are obviously like any business um the more drudgery elements of it but if i was going to say is more on the glamorous side than the drudgery side yes it is and we're very lucky for that but it is what we have created and it's the vision that we have got so it is but it's very self-made and i'm very proud of that yeah and I think you know it sounds like a great kind of career path for anybody who loves that fast-paced life and is very sociable and very kind of driven but also very detailed orientated and good at project management and kind of juggling um no it sounds it sounds amazing um and what you're building you know a first-hand experienced um you know the business and the magazine and the team um I'm absolutely certain you know you guys are going to go on to do the most amazing things and you have some huge plans for growth over the coming years haven't you um what can we expect to see from high life north in the future um yeah we've got big plans actually so we're in a bit of a period of consolidation at the moment because we did have such high growth during the year so we're focusing on what we do now in newcastle and the surrounding areas and doing that really really well so we've got a little black book directory that we're really working on making useful for people and getting people to really interact with that Um, we want all of our advertisers to be happy. We look at our organic content and how that can really speak to readers. So we're in that kind of um, strategy, I suppose, for the next year or so. And then we've got growth plans. So we want to go down into North Yorkshire, up into Glasgow and Edinburgh, across to Manchester. Um, Yeah, we're, we're looking at one point being the whole of the north um and i don't know how we're going to do that yet so stay tuned i suppose but yeah that's the very long-term strategy but we're only young and anything might happen might not it so uh i just i feel so excited by the potential of it and so um happy with the response that we've had to it so far and we just want to keep building on that all of the time and just yeah just continuing how we are Love it. That sounds so cool. And I think, you know, uh, other regions will be so lucky to have this type of content as you kind of come and capture them as well. So really looking forward to seeing those growth plans. Um, Well, thank you so much, Laura. I'm sure there'll be so many people inspired by your story for sure. Um, And yeah, thank you for sharing it with us today. And we'll watch um, as High Life North grows and, and you do over the coming year. Thank you so much. It was great to speak to you. And yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Well, that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed this, please do share with your friends, your network, rate us and do subscribe so we can keep you updated with future episodes. Until then, take care.